When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on Anfield Index Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful, rural and flooded Ireland. I'm Trev Denny and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Nottingham Forest nil, Liverpool 1 in the Premier League from the city ground are Dave Hendrick, who's suffering with sleet, as you may hear, and Jim Boardman. Dave, uh, you know, all sorts of extreme weather uh, nonsense aside, it doesn't get much more enjoyable in terms of late winners than that because of the many factors of mm. the terrible set of lads that were causing such a howling, um, constant Tory din in the background. The uh, circumstances uh, where we could see our tenuous lead starting to evaporate. The man involved in rescuing the points, you just add it all up and it's just a moment to absolutely treasure. It is. It's a glorious moment. And like you said, the, the Forest fans proved themselves to be a terrible collective of lads today. You you would, if, if you were Nottingham Forest manager, surely to God, you'd be trying to arrange some sort of meeting with like some of the leaders of the different fan groups and be like, look, we love that you come to the game, but could you make the atmosphere positive? Because everything we heard from them today was negative. It was, you know, feed the Tories, it, or it was uh, feed, feed the Tories. It was feed the Scousers, and <laughs> they'd love to feed the Tories, though, the Tory loving twats. Um, it was feed the Scousers, it was Jurgen Klopp as a wanker, it was boo. There was very little in the way of chants about Forest, which nothing, I would have thought. N- nothing. They only had come on you Reds. Yeah. And, and they had is, like, shit Andy Carroll. That was their good one. They loved that. Yeah, I mean, he scored, which is great. Yeah. Um, I have to say, my nerves absolutely shot to bits, but I am feeling chipper now, having spent a couple of minutes scrolling on the timelines of some well-known Arsenal and City fans <laughs> who were getting themselves 
oh so excited and to see the crushing blows to their spirits on this Saturday evening has has brought me great joy but the question I have and I'd like I'd like to throw this to the panel uh, I have two boy dogs uh, Sam and Toby we've had Sam about four and a half years we've had Toby coming up on two years those have been their names for that entire time I'm wondering is it appropriate to change their names to Darwin and Ali Mack at this point or will that just confuse things because my god Alexis McAllister the composure the calmness, the serene nature of his game to turn in that instance and clip that gorgeous cross. And I mean, we all love Darwin. What a fucking header. (sighs) Unbelievable. An unbelievable way to win a game that we had really let slip through our fingers prior to that. I, I will. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rename the dogs to be honest with you, because um, you'll take them on the longest walk they've ever had, and then just as you're thinking that's it, you're done. In no, they want to keep going and keep going yeah. and keep going. They're not going to give up, so just don't do it. <laughs> you'll not get a rest. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, especially what the the Darwin one's going to be a fucking dose. <laughs> uh, I would say, uh, Jim, this is a good time to bring you in for your introductory thoughts as well, and you know. Um, we can, we, we can and will speak about the game itself, uh, a, a, a hard fought affair and what, regardless of uh, the atmosphere, which was, you know, quite febrile and quite, um, intimidating, um, despite the, you know, nature of the, 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 the words that were being said, the noise was very, uh, good and intimidating and all those kind of things you, 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 you expect from a, a proper away ground. Um, so that factored into it very much. But, you know, at the end of the day, regardless of the analysis of the game, the good show put in by Forrest, their uh, whimpering claims about injustice, nothing else matters except that table. That's literally the only thing that matters. When you think about how we came into this game, how people were down in the mouth because uh, there still was not any evidence of a Salah and there was still two lads on the bench, one of whom came off the bench. It looked like Dom Sabozle won, won a prize uh, at a Make-A-Wish Foundation to play for Liverpool today. He was absolutely wretched when he came on. But he's back in the fold. Uh, we got him back in the fold. All of these things are starting to add up and be net positives. Uh, to get through that period, Jim, with the results and a trophy, and this one today, potentially the most impressive of all, uh, mm-hmm. considering the back-to-the-wall nature of it, you gotta, you just got to have tremendous, tremendous faith and belief in this team. If you don't, you're, you're missing the point. Yeah, I mean, last week we talked about how it must, you know, I mean, I used the, the phrase Terminator, compared him to that, because he just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And it didn't feel like they were the Terminator today. At part, you know, parts of the game, it was just, you know, let's let's give some credit to Forrest as a team. They're, they're a team that are playing a lot better, I think, than a team that's in contention for relegation. They've got a manager who plays better football than their teams deserve, their fans deserve, given some of the shite they come out with. Um, I mean, fair play to them in some ex- in some respects. I mean, they do the right thing where they scream for red cards when there was a slight foul and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, trying to get on the referee's back. I mean, that that's fair enough. Although, you know, I think sometimes if you do that a bit too much, it's a bit boy you cries wolf. And they're going to be doing a lot of screaming and crying now. But um, all of that, you know, it's just, it's just this thing about Liverpool. It's 
just they just don't know when they're beaten. And I think I've tweeted that Darwin is you know, he personifies that. He just keeps coming and coming and coming. You see him miss the chance that everyone's slagging like, him off and he's turning around smiling because he's gonna have another go in another minute. He's caught offside, he turns around, he smiles, right, shit, I've made a mistake. I'll sort that out next time. And he just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And, and McAllister, I mean, as one example of the team and the injuries, I'm thinking we've, we've had to use the kids. We've had to have players coming back when they're not maybe fully fit that we maybe would have liked to have given more time. And we're giving players longer minutes than maybe we'd want to. And I think sooner or later, this is going to it's gonna hurt us. You know, we, we've got to do it. We're kind of forced to do it. But sooner or later, it's going to have an impact if we don't start getting more players back. And... At times today, I thought that was it. But when I saw the lineup, my first thought was, well, you know, we've kind of put the players on who can maybe last most of the game, but I don't expect one of those to be McAllister. You know, he's put a lot of good shifts in recently. He hasn't that long since been injured himself. And I just thought, you know, it's going to be asking a bit much for him to do a full game today. Not only did he do a full game, that in, in the hundredth minute, his brain was still switched on. You know, when most players are tired and your brain doesn't quite work the same way, his brain was still switched on to be sensible. What he knew could well be the last move of the game. Um, and fair play to Darwin for finishing it off. But that is probably the assist of the season for me, pretty much. It, it, it was so good. And, yeah, I mean, I can just imagine already the, the fans of certain other clubs, including clubs who aren't even involved in the league title, the, the, the sort of miserable ones who just hate Liverpool because it's Liverpool. Um, their celebrations have just been cut short so badly. Um, and it must send fear into into the likes of City and Arsenal to think, my God, is there anything that can stop this side? And I think, you know, there's not just the fact that it's three points on the table. That, to me... The, the, the manner of that win at the end, it just sends out a message like you, you, you've got a hell of a job on your hands to get past us. Feels that way and it's lovely to be able to say it after what was looking like we were going to have to console ourselves with a point and the potential of seeing um, our two rivals lurch past us, not very far past us granted, but past nonetheless. It's just a real relief to be in a position that we're in instead. And just to take a look at the usual things that we do before we get into the match itself, I, I can see a Paul Tierney discussion arising. I don't want to give him too much uh, airtime uh, at the start of the show, so we'll take it up when it arises. There are plenty of times we can talk about that particular odd little fellow. Um, but in terms of the teams, Jim, I'll just stay with you to talk about the Liverpool selection. Uh, kind of alluded to it there a second ago. Again, we are very, very restricted in what it is that we can do at the moment. But to see the return of Endo to the bench, at least, Sabozlai to the bench, and Nunes to the bench, and that is incredibly heartening. Alongside them, then you've got Simicus and McConnell and Kumas and Dans and Kwanzaa. And suddenly a lot of those names don't sound as... Um, uh, I suppose lacking in uh, inspiration as they might have before, where you're just saying, "Well, anonymous kid." Now it's uh, we bring on Jane Dans, and he looks to um, kill lads and get himself sent <laughs> off, and 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 just cause absolute carnage. So that's a lovely place to be. But our lineup, as we started, was Queeving Kelleher, and then we had a very solid-looking defensive unit of Bradley and um, Robertson either side of Van Dijk and Kanate. And he went with the midfield uh, today of McAllister, Joe Gomez and Bobby Clark. I had a 
big feeling Bobby Clark would start. Um, we spoke last night on the AIP as to whether he would continue with the Joe Gomez experiment in the six. Uh, it seemed a long shot. We were kind of half hoping he would just because it would mean more seniority in there. And we could then have Elliot Gakpo and Diaz up top. Um, that's supposed to be good, <laughs> as it turns out. Uh, maybe Cody didn't have his best day. Um, what did you make of the lineup? Were you surprised by anything? Would you have preferred to see anything? Do you think he got it right for the most part? What's your take on it? Yeah, my take is, I think, that without knowing the full ins and outs of how fit everybody actually is, that um, it, it was probably the right team to go with because, um, I mean, Gomez played in that role the other night and he didn't do such a bad job that we should be thinking never using there again. And I think he was capable again today. I think, you know, maybe against other sides, maybe we'd have a we'd have more to, more to sort of analyse about him. But this, to me, he's not set, stepped a foot wrong. And in the end, he played in three different positions today because of, um, of the circumstances, which says a lot about that player. You know, we, we started the season maybe thinking he was such a fringe player that would come in now and again if needed. And he, he's become almost like a, a first-choice player. He just doesn't know where that first choice will be, where he plays. Um, and I was glad enough with the back four. I thought... Um, Connor Bradley more than capable at right back and although it's stretching it to say he would keep Trent out the side at right back it's not stretching it massively and I think that made it pretty much as strong about four as we could expect if everyone's fit other than you know Trent coming in at right back and even that as I say is not a, a nailed on thing because maybe Trent would move into the midfield if that was the case if 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 we could but yeah um, Gomez perfectly happy with him there Clark I think he's doing enough to earn himself some starts now if if we if we need him to, and I think he did well enough today to, you know, um without sort of doing loads of great stuff, he didn't do a bad job today. Um and Mac, I think if you can get him to play, you want him to play in a sort of more further forward role. You don't want him at the back, do you? And that's another reason why it was good to have Gomez. And as far as the front three were concerned, I mean obviously it was clear Nunez would have started if he was fit enough to start a game. Even though we had that um, grand national moment from him last weekend, I think, you know, maybe it would have been asking too much for him to start and play a full game. Um, it was good to see Diaz back because he's run himself into the ground. Cody, um, maybe this was one game too many for him because he's had a bit of a run. And the only other thing I thought of with the, with the line was how the hell is Harvey still going? Um, because he's played so much football at such an intensity in recent times. that um, It's a miracle he's still going. And um, although we'll come to it later, he was gutted when he went off. I think it was just as well he didn't play another 90 because I just, he's played so much football on those little legs. Those little legs, <laughs> yeah. Despite um, despite the toddler energy that Harvey has alongside a lot of the others, uh, you've got to manage lads, and he has put in savage shifts for this team, which must be appreciated. Whether today was his finest or not is neither here nor there, especially when you consider the topic we're discussing. Um, Dave, I wouldn't mind getting your take on the um, prog rock sounding Joe Gomez experiment in a minute, but just before you do that, let me just break down the main part of what I want you to respond to, which is the forest <clears throat> setup. Um, not so much necessarily about whether it's their best, although feel free to talk about that, but just what it is you think um, is going on here with them in terms of the team and the challenge they present, uh, especially now under Nuno. Um, they started off with the massive unit that is cells in gold. They had Nico Williams, uh, Amabamadele, they had Murillo, who made several massive interventions and to follow they had Dominguez Yates um, and then they had Alanga Gibbs 
Reese White, Hudson Adoy, and Origi. It's a lot of talented uh, attacking footballers for mm. sure. I'm not as familiar with the defensive unit there. We all we all know Nico Williams. I'm not f- as familiar with um, Amabama Dele or Murillo or Tafolo. Only what I've seen of them um, when we play against them. Uh, Dominguez and Yates seem to put in a solid shift in terms of doing bits around the centre of the field. What did you make of them? I was quite impressed with the, especially with the energy of Elanga, Gibbs White and Hudson Adoy and, and their willingness to carry the ball forward. I think that trio behind the striker, such as Awani, could be very, very good because they're all individually good in the ball. They all move the ball well. Gibbs White, <clears throat> for me, is one of the better playmakers in the league. And I think if they had that focal point of Awani, I think it would work really well for them. Now, today, obviously, they, they stick Divock right wing. They're looking for probably back post presence on crosses. They're looking for work rate, etc. And they go Alanga up front because of pace and they're looking to counter. The problem is we've got Ibu and Virgil. So the best of luck to you running away from those two lads. Um, individually, I, I like all of them, but like I, I do think there's a, a better... Um, a better mix that could work for them. The midfield, like you said, Dominguez and Yates are in there for graft because the two best midfielders at the club are sitting on the bench. Danilo, who came on and seemed to think he was there to wrestle people, and Ibrahim Sanger, who I I can only assume isn't fully fit, and that's why he's not been playing um, since coming back from the AFCON. But Dominguez is a good player for sure. Yates is one who's been there a long time, came through their academy. So he's one of them lads that gives a shit. And you can see that in his performances. We all like Nico. Nico has had a very weird time at Forest, in part because they change shape every few weeks. It's a back three, it's a back four, it's a back three, it's a back four. So he's jumping between right back and right wing back, and he's not able to find a real rhythm. He's had some injuries. I love that centre-back pairing. Oma Bamadeli and Murillo. I don't understand why that hasn't been their centre-back pairing for much of the year. They've been playing Felipe, they've played Willie Bolly, all these lads who might have been good five years ago but aren't good now. I thought those two lads today were absolutely tremendous for them. And you mentioned how big a unit uh, Cells is. Murillo is a tank. That fella is, he's six foot two. He's about six foot two wide, about six foot two deep. He's like throwing a cavity block at lads when he lumps in for a tackle. <laughs> the weak points in that team are Harry Tofolo, who's, they brought him in from Huddersfield last summer when they got, the, the summer they got promoted. And he's never quite shown that he's good enough for the Premier League. And I was really hoping we'd go at him. And in the second half, when we did attack him behind him, he did struggle. And the goalkeeper's not good. Like, the goalkeeper is just not good. And that's the thing that would have annoyed me the most had we come away from that nil-nil is that we didn't we didn't trouble him. He made yeah. two saves. One was pretty much straight at him, and one was off the back of his own player. And that's it. That's all he had to do in the entire game. And, like, he is not a good goalkeeper. So there's a lot of talent there. I think they can improve internally. If they stay up, they don't have a ton of things to do this summer. Goalkeeper and a left back. And maybe just go with that and try and develop the really good players you have there. Like Alanga, Gibbs White, Hudson-Odoi, Yates and the two centre-backs. 
that's a really good core to build with. So if they do stay up, I think they're going to be in decent enough shape. But credit to them today, like they did put in a hell of a shift. And it was obvious from the off that they were hoping to draw us on and hit us on the counter. And to be fair, they, they gave it a go. And it took us till the very, very last breath to, to get the goal. So they came as close as possible to mission accomplished. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, and, and you know, you have to separate the, the team, the, the players, the manager, that unit from the um, sort of distressing cacophony around them. And it's a terrible thing because the noise that they make in general is so impressive that if they were actually saying sensible things or supportive things yeah. for their own team, it'd be a, a proper cauldron. But, you know, it was ever thus. I mean, those of us who are old enough to know, uh, remember the, the, the rivalry for us back in the day, they were <laughs> always a terrible set of lads. Uh, you're right, though. It's a really interesting point that you make there of our 22 efforts, which is, you know, kind of on par for this Liverpool team. Only two of them on target. That's uh, that's really, really not doing enough uh, when you think that one of them is in the 99th minute as well and it's the winner. Uh, that's, that is it's just not asking enough questions for sure. And one of the guys who failed to ask the questions on a regular basis was, unfortunately, Mr. Cody. We'll talk about Cody Gakpo and his uh, contribution and several others as we go. It may just have been a game too much for the kid. Who knows? It's just it's hard to understand how different players react to this constant barrage of minutes. Let's get into it, Jim, you and I, with the start of the first half. Um, and it's a quiet enough beginning, if we're being perfectly honest. Although I did quite enjoy the fact that um, Clark had a little nutmeg on his premier debut for his, one of his first touches. Uh, he got a free in there early on. <clears throat> And it was a really poor free kick when we had a real height mismatch at the back stick. Uh, Robbo swings across a crossover from the free kick and doesn't beat the first man. And it set it it set a trend, Jim, for the rest of the game because the set pieces were, you know, considering how good we can be at them, they were kind of uniformly awful, too long or more commonly too short, not beating the first man. Um, on 14 minutes, uh, Rigi nicked in between Robbo and Joe Gomez. Pretty impressive strength and a driving run. He made his way towards our goal and unleashed a rasping shot that went wide just of the near post. So that's the right-hand post as he's looking at it because he'd come in from that flank. Um our first moment of note was a dangerous ball in by Robbo in 19 minutes that didn't lead to anything. Um 22 minutes, a great move, ended up with a blocked uh, shot. And then from that, Alanga, that was our, our opportunity. From that, Alanga gets sprung on the break. Uh, he got in behind and he's in on Quivine, who pulls off a fantastic save with his leg. Now, 
retrospective um, looks at it suggest that he might have been borderline offside or he might not. It's a fantastic save and it needed to be made. Um, bit of pressure, corner on the right-hand side on 25 minutes. Cody from that corner basically took it off Virgil van Dijk's foot with his touch. Virgil's ready to make contact. Now, whether he would have got on target or not um, is another story altogether. And we'll finish it about halfway through the half, where on 26, Clark and then Luis Diaz both have shots blocked. Clark's one decent enough block, but the shot, uh, the block by Murillo on Luis Diaz's effort is outrageous. A uh, really great piece of defending and uh, stood them in good stead. Uh, what did you make of that opening 25, 26 minutes in terms of the patterns? Anything you observed? Any player you want to pick out or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think looking at Forrest, they did they did hit us on the break and were looking. I mean, it was worrying for us at times, and I think it, we were perhaps saved by the fact that they weren't quite able to execute that last bit. And I think they had two shots on target all game as well, which says says a lot about about that final ball in the in the in terms of their efforts as well. But yeah, they had us worried a few times on the break, and you sometimes worry when you've got a team playing like that whether whether we're going to be okay. But on the whole, you know, you just mentioned Gallagher. Great effort from them. He had no way of knowing whether it was offside or not. Had to make the save and did it well, as we've seen him do of late so much. And, um, you know, it reminds us again how lucky we are to have him as back up to Ali because it's the kind of stuff you kind of almost expect Ali to do, but you're still praising for. And he deserves every bit of craze for that. But craze, praise. Um, it was... I think my frustration at this point was we were getting a lot of the ball, but, you know, forget about Forrest and what they were doing with it. We weren't doing enough with it. And... Um, I mean, that whole bit of time we've talked about in that first 25 minutes, it's hard to pick out anything that really stood out. I mean, there was one bit, um, I think Clark had a go, which um, it looked like he was going to, he was curling it towards goal, but it just didn't quite drop in time. The keeper was making a, a save for the cameras or, you know, attempting save for the cameras. And I think, you know, if it'd gone down just a little bit more, if it'd maybe been a little bit further back when he hit it, it would have gone. And it was a good idea. Um, and he was showing some willingness to try and score. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe the efforts... A lot of the time, we're just that bit too far away. Um, you know, shooting from too far outside a goal at times, just not quite getting in the box enough. Although um, that effort from Clark later on that was blocked, and you look at, you look to the replay and you can just see it almost took Diaz by surprise. He was just just a little bit too heavy with his touch, and it gave them the chance to get it out for a corner. But you know, these these moments are um, sometimes what makes a difference in a game. But on the other hand, I'm thinking. 25, 30 minutes. The way Liverpool play of late is that for 25, 30 minutes, we don't put everything into it. And as the half went on, I started to think, um, is there even a concerted effort from us to kind of conserve some energy after what's been going on of late and what we've still got to come? You know, let's just just keep them at bay, not go overboard on our attempts to attack. And maybe there was, but I think you've got to kind of switch that mentality off after a bit in the game. And, you know, that that thing, thinking that's the way we were playing for the first half an hour or so, it seemed to, to carry on a little bit too long. But, you know, it just felt like typical Liverpool of late. Nothing spectacular. Not really troubling the other goal too much. Um, sometimes having us looking a little bit worried, but then some hero coming along to come and save the day. I think, I don't know if it was around around about that time, there was a lovely um, Virgil van Dijk header back to Kelleher that was under you know, was under quite a lot of pressure. And he just put this so calm. It was like time stopped. And he just headed the ball just right to, to Kelleher, just so soft with players everywhere. Just perfectly cushioned header back to him and um, reminds us of what quality we've got at the back. And as much as, yeah, you, you do worry when you see Forrest attacking like that. When you've sort of calmed down, afterwards you look back and think 
we've probably got enough to kind of keep them at bay, and we did. It's a, an absolute masterclass yet again by the big man at the back today. That moment comes just after we had, we had uh, ended the, theoretically what we're talking about. You're right, you're spot on. 28 minutes is when that back header by Virgil to Quivin occurs and it it really is a dangerous moment it's a dangerous cross in they've launched a decent move put a move together and that cross comes in and it's just a, the control of that header is is remarkable and it, it it summed up i think an awful lot of the presence that we saw from that guy throughout and we've been seeing it on such a regular basis um it's amazing the debate that it's sparking. You've all seen the nonsense on social media during the week. And I think the more of that stuff you're seeing, the better, because it just is a fair indicator of how. The, the, the best well, part of most of this debate, though, Trev, is the people who are involved in a lot of the debate never saw the players that they're hyping up. Yeah, in their primes it. at an age where they were old enough to understand what they were watching. Like, I didn't see Alan Hansen live at an age where I was old enough to understand what I was watching. So I wouldn't try and make the case that Alan Hansen was 50 times better than whoever the fuck, because it's not my era. Like, so many of these debates are incredibly flawed. The the funniest part of it is when I see Rio Ferdinand's name put into these debates, (laughs) because... If you actually watched Rio Ferdinand's career, he was a good defender. He was never an elite-level, world-class defender. He's the fourth-best United defender of the Premier League era after Stam, Vidic, and Gary Pallister. Everybody who played with him will will say the same, that Vidic was better than him. All the United players that played with Stam and um, Rio will say that Stam was better, and the ones that played with Pallister, Stam, and Rio will all say that Pallister was better. Gary Pallister was just a much better defender than Rio Ferdinand. The Ferdinand get, excitement it stems from the fact that he wasn't a pure defender, and he no, had, that's the thing. He, he was the, the ball playing centre. Yeah, he had the ability to 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 make a pass and step into midfield, and therefore I think a lot of people got confused about what Rio. Yeah, Ferdinand was. in the same way that we have people now trying to hype up John Stones like some sort of world-class defender because he can play a 10-yard pass. But here's the thing. Not only is Virgil much better on the ball than any of them lads, he's also much better defensively. And then when you compare him to the defensive centre-backs of the era that people love to point at, Terry and Vidic, they'd both be destroyed playing in a high line because neither of them had any pace. Vidic we saw get embarrassed by Torres multiple times. John Terry wasn't even the best centre-back in his own team because he played with Ricardo Carvalho. And when I see these debates and I see that those three, Vidic, Terry and Ferdinand, are put as like the gold standard, my mind just immediately thinks, you don't know what you're talking about because Stam was better than them all. Carvalho was better than them all. Tony Adams was better than them all. Saul Campbell was better than them all. Paul McGrath was better than them all. And I don't see those names brought up. And I'm like, you you just don't know what you're talking about. You're listing lower Paul end God, of the bottom of the name top ten. Today. <laughs> it's, it's just, it infuriates me when I see these debates and the genuinely great centre-backs of the early era of the Premier League don't get brought up. And then there's no thought process on, well, could this guy play in any era? 
And Virgil could have played in any era, any era. Rio couldn't. Back in the 80s, when teams didn't often play out from the back and you had to play deeper and you had to play nice and tight, and if you made a mistake, you were likely getting punished because you were defending so deep. Rio would have been out the league because he made that many mistakes. Vidic and Terry couldn't have played in the modern game because they couldn't have played a high line. Like, if you're listing a true top 10 of Premier League centre-backs, Vidic and Terry probably scrape into the top 10. They definitely do. They'd be, like, between 7 and 10, somewhere in that range. Rio Ferdinand's not making it in. I'm sorry, he just isn't. You find your level, though. His level appears to be appearing on shit uh, podcasts with, um, uh, with weird, weird mind. Stephen House is pretty. Yeah. So there you go. Look, it's, it's, you know it's what, just, when, when we talk about who's the best defender, I mean, I'm not asked about other clubs and their players. Really, I'm not. But when you want to sort of, sort of say, you know, Hanson and Lawrenson and, and Thompson and Emling Hughes and all these yeah. players from the, the Tommy old days. Smith, Sammy, Chrissy Lawler. Sammy, exactly. Sammy Hippie. All, all of these players, they've all been at their time great, great defenders for us. And, I'm just delighted that we have them and that they've gone into that category. You, you know, certainly Hansen, you cross a line and you go, right, you are now fucking brilliant. You know, Virgil, mm. you are now fucking brilliant. And it's like when people say, who was the best, Paisley or Shankly? It doesn't matter. They were both amazing managers that, that we were so lucky to have. And even though I don't really remember Shanks and know Paisley, maybe I'd argue Paisley was the better manager. But then we had Kenny's manager. We've had Klopp now. He's sort of walking into those realms. You know, when people might say, well, was he better than Pe-? It doesn't matter. He was an amazing manager. He was an amazing central defender. I'm not saying Klopp was an amazing central defender. I'm not sure. But, you know, these these are amazing people that we've had at our club. And although it's great doing these debates, if you want to kind of get people worked up a lot of the time, I feel like just saying, just sit back and be glad that you've had them at your club, you know, because mm-hmm. I am. Yeah, I no, think- that's fair. And United fans should be very, very glad that they ha- they managed to have three great centre-backs mm-hmm. and Rio Ferdinand in the Premier League era. But like nice. the thing with Virgil is he he's not just a great defender. He's a great footballer. He's pushing himself into the argument of best footballer in Premier League history. Because right now, he is, for me, the clear footballer of the year. There's nobody in the City team or in the Arsenal team who has played at his individual level across this season 25 to 1 and it's a fucking insult yeah that he's 25 to 1 and i guarantee you declan rice is among the top three yeah well he when he's been arsenal's third best player he won london football london football that's a a meaningful award (laughs) and Uh, costa coglu won london manager of the year he's been there six months and his side aren't even the top team in london so you know (laughs) but virgil for me right now is making a strong strong case for being footballer of the year he was outrageous in the first half when we really needed him and there's very little left in the first half for us to talk about there was a decent move on 29 minutes to end it with uh, a Luis Diaz ball across the face but there was nobody there Uh, and on 40 minutes another half decent move with uh, um, Gary uh, Gary um, and Alexis McAllister uh, Dink uh, and Cody um with a pullback header to nobody when actually he probably should have gone for goal on this, on this occasion. Uh, there's only a minute added to the first half, so nothing really of note there except to just to say that if anyone had the upper hand in terms of the attempts and all the rest of it, as usual, it was us. You wouldn't mm. know it from the commentary. But if you and I begin the second half, Dave, uh, and take it uh take it up as far as halfway or so uh, maybe to just after the introduction of a few of our lads um 
I thought Clark did really well um, early on, pulling a good cross in 47 minutes. Uh, on 49, another good move. Robbo has an effort this time that gets um, blocked for out for a corner. Uh, from that corner, Gary, Ma- I, I did it again. Alexis McAllister has a great. Um, vicious kind of a volley cross into the box um, that could have ended up anywhere and absolutely created pure pinball, but nothing happened from it. Lovely one-two with Connor and Joe Gomez on the 54th minute that led to another corner. Again, nothing from it. Uh, 58, we bring on Robbo for... Um, Oh, sorry, yellow card for Robbo on uh, Nico Williams. It's a bad one, really. It's kind of rough enough challenge. He goes in on the on the kid after the yeah, ball. It's a little bit Tony Schumacher and Patrick Battiston. Little bit. Um, and the yellow is, you know, you, you, when you get a yellow for that, and he knew, you could tell he knew yeah. that he was, he, was, he was getting away with one. 59 minutes, we bring on Endo and Darwin for Clark and Robbo. Uh, we can hear the shit Andy Carroll fa- uh, chants from these um, uh, mouth breathers. And... Within seconds, Darwin's having a shot into the side, rigging and absolutely scaring the shit out of them, uh, which is wonderful to see. Of course, they enjoyed the fact the shot was wide. And on 63, they bring on a 1E for Divock. It changed things up a little bit for them and made them a bit more what you were talking about earlier on in terms of the shape. And indeed, on 65, it's a great move from them, which ended with Alanga having a shot narrowly wide from right to left he pulls the, the shot across the face of goal it's a decent opportunity he could do better should do better probably the set piece is so far up as far as 60 minutes 7 minutes I've just made a note there that you know on, it was another shit corner in the 67 minute and again it was just really notable how bad they were because it can be a real uh, weapon for us uh, and a wonderful chance on 69. Darwin drove a counter attack forward. He played in Cody Gatpo, who's approaching on the right hand side of the six yard box. He has quite a lot of the goal to aim at, and he manages to pull it really wide of the near post. He's got men inside him. If you're going to miss, you miss at the far post. It's an awful effort, uh, you'd have to say. And on 75, Diaz cuts in from the right and hits a vicious one just wide as well. It, you, you'd have to say, Dave, up until this point, you know, and including the introduction of our subs and the changes that we've made, the intent is there from us all the time. Uh, I had that feeling mm. of, and I'm, I'm not, it's not, it doesn't come from a place of smugness. It comes from a place of, if you want to say it, scientific analysis of what we've done so far. You have to believe because that is the logical default position and I did believe it was coming now granted later on as we got into the injury time it started to sap away from me a little bit but you just felt the goal was coming there was great intent from us I thought that we were playing good football you can't say we weren't hello I'm here to annoy you I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL index We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. 
So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. No, I fully agree. Um, when you see what this team have done and the commentators pointed out, I think it's 18 goals after the 75th minute before today and seven goals in stoppage time. And when you see those numbers and you know what we've been through this season in terms of the injuries and the bad refereeing decisions and all the different things that have gone against us this year. And yet you see this group of lads just continuing to march forward. You just, you feel confident in yourself. Now I will say my frustration levels were growing through the second half to the point where both Molly and Toby who were watching the game with me, left my office and went off about their own business. Um, <laughs> but most of it was directed at Cody Gakbo because every aspect of his performance today annoyed the piss out of me. You're a six foot four, well-built lad, and you're hiding in midfield and hiding on the right wing. At one point, he was stood at right back in the first half. And I thought, He's going to get a rocket at half time. He's going to come out in the second half and he's hopefully going to play up against the center backs and do something. And he didn't. And then Darwin comes on and I didn't understand why Gakbo was the one that was left, was left on. He had not warranted another minute on the pitch. And then he gets that opportunity, Trev. And like you said, I mean, he's got two options here. One is you go low and hard across the goal. You've got all the time in the world. Like, you're not having to snatch at this chance. You're not having to hit a ball that's running across your body. It's sitting in, in front of you. You've got time. You've got space. You go low and hard across the goal. Or you have a look and see, well, can I pass this ball? And Darwin's inside you. You've got, I think Harvey was up with him. And you've got Alexis trailing the play. So you've got options here to pass the ball. And instead, he's just wildly hacked at it and made a complete fucking hames of it. And when that happened, I, I I may have uttered a couple of choice words that sent the second of the dogs leaving the room. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, it, he frustrates me so much because we know he's a very talented footballer. And we saw him last year playing that false nine role and really growing into the role as games went on and learning to use his physicality. And we saw him in the week. Now, it was late in the game against Southampton, and he had been a bit soft throughout. But he just had that one lovely moment where he just used his physique and his size and his power. And you thought, right, that's it. That's what you need to do. Yeah. Compare, just, compare, and just, compare and contrast that, Dave, with... Endo, who came on, he's only a little, little fella, and he came on. Sparrows into the people. He, but he's the reason that we win. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Block, he blocks off and rolls Hudson Odoi, uh, and, and get that allows McAllister to regain possession and do the dink. Uh, it, Endo's inter- intervention there is all about his physical presence. But sure, like Ali Mack is only 5'9. And, like, he never gets bullied. And he's happy to throw himself into the physical battle. Jaden Dans is whatever he is, 18 or 19. He's a kid. He made his debut a week and a half ago. And he came on and he offered more for us in the short spell he was on the pitch than Cody Gakpo had offered throughout. Maybe Cody thought that he could, um, he maybe sent a message to his compatriot saying, look, I'll do what you do, 
Um, you know, and, and the player who was stretched off last week, you know, we've not got the player to be soft in the tackle and stuff now. So, you know, maybe it's that's just, what Cody's thinking. <laughs> like, it's infuriating because, like, we're in a situation where we don't have Mo, we don't have Jota, and Darwin obviously wasn't 100% before the game. So we've got two fit senior forwards, and we've got Harvey Elliott playing in the front line. And Harvey Elliott... Did not have a great game today, but he has run his legs off every single game over the last stretch. And you saw him today. You saw how annoyed he was with himself going off, furious that he hadn't been able to impact the game, frustrated that it looked like we're going to drop points. And the other fellas just wandering around like he couldn't give a shit. You've got Luis Diaz, who, again, is running himself into the ground game after game putting in the effort, putting in the work, getting into the challenges, closing down defenders, taking a kick in and trying to make things happen. They represent this club. They represent what this club is about and how it hasn't just eked into Gakpo a little bit that I need to put in more effort here. Even if it's not going well, I just need to go and maybe clatter somebody. And maybe maybe, you know, put myself I maybe about. he's thinking I've, I've not got anyone to compete with me now. You know, there's, we've not got the five main lads. Yeah, maybe front, he's so too I've got a place. You know, yeah, too comfortable. But then if he was, you need to be thinking that again when you see the young lad that came on and did all the sort of stuff yeah. that you'd want Gapo to do. Um, you know, yeah. No, fear, no, you know, wants to have an influence on the game and feels confident to do it. it it's a different kind of mentality. Which, if I'm being fair to Gapo. Maybe he's just had one game too many. You know, let's, let, I'll try and be kind and say. Yeah, that's where I went with it too. Jim. That's where I went with it too, and in an effort to be, uh, you know, uh, charitable. But 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 I do. I, I very much relate to the frustration Dave has because it's it's mine as well, no doubt your own. Mm-hmm. Because w- when you see what Cody can do, you see the incredible technique the kid has. Yeah. You just look at his physicality. He he, he actually can. Um, he's not the fastest, but at one point before, soon before he went off, he takes the ball on the right hand side and he drives inside past the defender like he's not there. Just left him for, left him in his wake and it was wonderful to see and a, a nice tidy ball inside. And that's the kind of high tempo stuff. I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? Maybe just to wrap this up, Dave, before I finish the game with Jim, mm. that's the thing, isn't it? It's the high tempo side of the game that maybe isn't Cody's yeah, that's not, it's not his bag. Like, yeah, he's come yeah. from the Eredivisie, which is a much slower pace of game. The other thing as well, obviously, look, is that in the Eredivisie, he played largely as a wide player. He played largely off the left wing, and everything with him was ball defeat. He was the main guy at PSV Eindhoven. And he was, what, 24, 23 when we signed him? He'd been in there team and their system a long time he was used to doing his Cody Gakbo things, used to getting ball to feet, used to moving with the ball and having people run off him coming in off the left onto his right foot and giving him options to clip across or to create space and shoot and he hasn't really gotten the opportunity to play in that role at Liverpool because well he's not really quick enough to be a Jurgen Klopp winger like he's quick over distance. I remember Brundish making the point that like Cody's top speed is actually very high. The issue with Cody is he's not quick over that five ten yard mark, which is what Mo and Mane and Diaz and Jota have all excelled at it, under Jurgen. 
So, like, it's not his fault that he's not getting used the right way, but it is his fault that he's not putting in the effort. And like yeah. I said, we signed a guy from the Netherlands many years ago who arrived as a number nine with a big price tag for the, for, for the era, coming off a season where he'd scored an absolutely shed load of goals for Feyenoord. He failed as a striker. He got shifted to the right wing. And he became a cult hero, not because he was a particularly great footballer, but because he put in the work and he would die on the pitch for the badge. And every time you saw him leaving the pitch, you wondered how on earth he was still standing upright because of the shift he put in. Yeah, Dirk, Dirk from his debut had everybody uh, in love with him because yeah. his, deb- his debut was the embodiment of effort. Yeah. And, um, and that's all you're looking for. It, it goes a huge way with fans for sure. Jim, let's wrap the game up in terms of the details and you get to talk about the, the joyous uh, moment at the end, which no doubt, Dave, you can wrap into your final thoughts, which are coming a little bit quicker than usual. We'll have a slightly shorter than usual role this evening. Um, so when I come back to you next day, it will be for wrap-ups um, and then Jim will finish the show with his. Uh, let's get to the moment we all want to get to. But before we do, on 75, Dom comes on for Harvey. I, I may be a little bit harsh in my assessment of Dom earlier on, but I just thought he looked absolutely lost and miles off the pace. Uh, 78 minutes, uh, they have a substitute on as well. And uh, my autocorrect... <laughs> I don't know what's happened because Dominguez is the one that came off and I've my autocorrect I didn't even look at it at the time I was typing so fast is Dingo has come on for <laughs> Dominguez so I, I think that was Danilo uh, on 80 minutes Hudson-Odoi cuts in he shoots Cuevin gets down well into the corner to save um Dom's still jogging around the place, looking lost on 83. We bring on two more subs, Simicus and Dan's this time for Cody Gakpo uh, and Connor uh, Connor, uh, Bradley. Now, Bradley, I think, was fine. Cody, I think, may have been just on the back of a little bit of a knock. But anyway, he went off on the far side of the pitch. Uh, I think he was getting a bit of treatment. there was a corner for us. We saw Dan's being assaulted. We saw no replays of it except one really shitty angle one. Um, and it was obviously a pen shout, but it doesn't seem as if we get things like that on Paul Tierney's watch anyway. On 84 minutes, uh, Dan's goes in on the keeper. Uh, youthful enthusiasm was the shout from the co-coms that I was watching. Uh, and, it, it, and that's fine. I get it. Um he is exactly doing the exact thing that we were talking about a second ago with his with his colleague that you'd prefer to see. Um, now these boys, these mouth breathing, sign on chanting, uh, poverty uh, 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 league trying to win types are absolutely livid, and the place is absolutely. I have to say the atmosphere is electric febrile might be a better a better word to describe it because it did have that slightly dangerous feel to it at that point and how did they manifest their indignation at uh, the assault on their keeper by chanting sign on well done lads the keeper is down for about seven years so you know there's going to be a chunk of time added on which is very good for us the corner uh, on 89 from the left uh, uh, results in nothing 
it's eight minutes that are added on. And on 90 minutes, Luis Diaz cuts in, he shoots, it leads to another corner from which, again, nothing accrues. 91 minutes is a great move and a decent ball in by us. 92, Awani has a shot blocked, which leads to a corner for them. And then uh, Gibbs White and Danilo pick up uh, yellow cards successively on 92 and 93 minutes. We have another corner on 93, um, which leads to a bit of a chance uh, there's a bit of a, uh, a a mad save by the keeper off a Murillo deflection. It seemed as if Darwin got a knock a knock on, a little flick on to the corner, and it came off Murillo back towards the goal quite dramatically. And it's a really good save, re- reaction save by the keeper, I think. On 95, they broke. Gibbs White had a shot blocked uh, by Van Dyke. Gibbs White, who earlier on had tried one of the worst examples of cheating I've ever seen to try and win a corner. Um and on 98 minutes, we have another corner. Now, I think most of us would be well within our rights at this point to go, oh, fuck, another corner. What's the point? <laughs> uh, but it does lead eventually to the ball breaking around the box. Uh, and as they try to clear it via hudson Adoy, uh, Endo gets involved and steps across him. And the ball, instead of getting cleared, breaks to... Uh, Alexis McAllister. Now, Mac turns, dinks a little left-footed curler towards the goal from a central position where we have the wonder boy that is Darwin Nunes making his move. He gets a beautiful, exactly right, connecting, glancing header into a wide open area of the goal where it just bounces in. I will admit that I was 100% sure that I wouldn't be able to celebrate this. And I feel robbed forever because I did not in the moment enjoy it. I was sure there was going to be some Tierney uh, um, masterclass arriving. Something would be at fault. There would be some reason to disallow it. And I bring it up, Jim, not because I want to talk about me, but I, I, I know you, I know for a fact I'm not the only one who had very, very muted uh, hope um, and was incapable of celebrating that in the moment. I just think, you know, for fear of sounding like old man man shakes fist at cloud, I just think it is a real downside to this um, current iteration of football that we have. I won't stop saying it just because it doesn't suit people or because some people are fucking robot shaggers who just love technology and can't hear anything bad about technology and don't understand that it's the application of the technology that I'm fucking talking about, you imbeciles. But I will say this. Eventually, you realise that's been given. Mm-hmm. Might have had a shout then, Jim. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I, I, My instant reaction was to make a noise and then to go, sure, you idiot. You know, you're tempting fate here. You know, <laughs> yeah. superstitions kick in. Be quiet, stay calm, wait and see what yeah. happens. And you're waiting for what feels like an age. And I honestly don't know how long it was. But, you know, when you're watching the game, like the the theory of relativity um, in terms of time kicks in because it feels like a hell of a long time while you're waiting. Um, it, I, I realised our players were still celebrating properly, properly celebrating. And I think it's at that point where, you know, I think players, if they know there's a doubt, they won't celebrate as much relief. If they know it was nailed on, they'll celebrate. And I mean, Darwin's probably the worst person for this. He'd probably celebrate anyway, but because he, he's just so crazy. But I think that was a point where I realised, you know what, this this is going to be given. And and it took, I don't know about you, it seemed to take an age for us to even see a replay. Yeah. And once I saw the replay, I thought he's 
that's that's given that cannot be ruled out um and and in my excitement at that point i'd forgotten about last weekend when a goal i'm still perplexed about was ruled out for us earlier on you know when when van dyke's first effort was ruled out which was apparently i didn't see the incident in the week apparently there was another team had a very similar incident and after like about four hours of var deliberations theirs was given um and i think that's the frustration it's like it's there to just double check things it's not it's there to just give the ref a helping hand and i think at times maybe it would be better if, if it was used in a way where the ref said i'll be honest i didn't see that can you have a look for me can i'll go and have a look at the screen if you like you know he's not allowed to do that but he should be able to um it's offsides and things it's a black and white thing isn't it if you're offside you're offside if the ref didn't think you were interfering then you know, to me, if the ref's wondering that you might be interfering, you might be offside. He's going to mention that to VAR. Last weekend he wasn't, and this is the frustration that just just goes. And it's this pause, it's this moment where really that was. We've had so many good moments this season, but after a game of like a hundred minutes of dross, um, of misery, of watching us not do awfully all game, but not do well all game, you know, not come close enough. I mean, I've written as that game's ticking on, I've just gone. That I think well, actually my my last I think my belief fell when Nunez had that header on ninety four and the keeper saved it and I thought that just it's just one of those days isn't it the keeper saved that you know this was our chance probably the best yeah. chance of the game ninety four minutes um, it's just one of those days and I mean I did feel that Dan's was was unlucky almost to get a yellow because I think he was making a fair challenge for the ball myself and I'm not remotely biased um, and I think the keeper stayed down a long time and then seemed to get up and be okay you know he made that save not long after that and seemed to be okay as if like you know touch of time wasting going on maybe um, but that backfired as we saw last season against Newcastle when they tried to time waste you know we used every one of those minutes that was added on and um, we've managed to avoid talking about Tierney and to be honest with you, I think it's quite late in the game that I really noticed him um, and he's just doing his things that Tierney does and I don't think he was actually biased against us, he just does Tierney things that kind of wind you up, traffic warden things aren't they all the time um, but Dan's was just, just just looked so electric um, he made such a difference when he came on um, I mean him and Nunez was just he steps us up a little bit because I feel like all the game, I mean how many times do we see stuff, I think Wingapo, to be fair to him, turned his back to goal at one point and headed it. I think it was in the first half, headed it to nobody because there was nobody coming in. And that's because we didn't have these sort of the usual strike force that we have, the usual attacking plays that we have. For whatever reason, they just weren't thinking. There was an effort from Diaz. Um, he was way over on the right hand side. It flashed across the goal. No one was there to pick her up. Elliot's frustration when he went off is because he just had a cross across the, a great little cross that rippled across the front of the goal and nobody was there to go and get it. And, yeah. um, it just feels like that was the kind of day we were having today. And by the time we get to this point now, I'm genuinely thinking this is it. This is done. We've thrown, we've thrown two points away today. And this whole podcast is going to be about trying to sort of rouse ourselves and tell us that, you know, it's still in our hands because it still would have been, et cetera, et cetera. It's a big difference, that two points. And yeah, we can definitely celebrate now because, you know, it was given. Um, but you're right. We should have been... You know, this is the point where you go out into the street, celebrate, and then suddenly realise what you're doing, and we can't do that. It just, it, it does, yeah, exactly. Look, 
we got to enjoy it, but in it, the immediacy of the joy is somewhat um, marred and taken away. And I, I do, I do lament that, and I'm, I'm quite angry about it. And I, I will refuse to stop talking about it just because it doesn't suit certain people's agendas. Or some people want to say, "I'll just get on with it, will you?" Ah, fuck you. No, I won't get on with it. Uh, the one thing I will say, Jim, I'll come back to you for your wrap-up thoughts in a second. The one thing I will say about Tierney is that the point you made about him, Jim, he was doing Tierney things. The, that was encapsulated best after the final whistle where he stood there in the middle of a, a, a mess of bodies crushing around him people saying all sorts of outrageous things to him lads getting all bent out of shape because they felt that there had been an injustice in terms of a foul earlier on that uh, the possession of, on, on uh, where Ibu had gone down with an apparent en- a head injury and uh, Liverpool got the ball back and Liverpool shouldn't have got the ball back, whatever. Anyway, they were all bent out of shape and Tierney standing there in the middle dishing out yellow and indeed red cards mm-hmm. like this little shiny-headed man-child and... <laughs> We in the background, Kloppo's hugging lads, we're just getting, we're, we're happy celebrating. There was just a beautiful sort of contrast between Tierney off in the corner doing his Tierney things. He could do it afterwards. We don't give a shit. Let him off um, while we're happily celebrating in the meantime. And uh, just to get your final wrap up thoughts then, Dave, uh, to start drawing the show to a close. Um, anywhere you want to take it, anyone you want to single out in terms of praise or any points you want to make just to finish this off. And do at the end, if you think of it, let us know what's coming in the week. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I've just seen a tweet from Simon Brundish that in the first three minutes he was on the pitch, Darwin touched the ball more times in the box than Cody had in the 64 minutes uh, prior to that, which is quite impressive. Um, Final thoughts. Uh, Massive win. Loads of tears. All wonderful. Uh, I've just seen a tweet from Miguel Delaney pointing out that the unemployment rate in Nottingham is 5.9 as opposed to 5.7 in Liverpool in in regards to the latest numbers that have been released. So perhaps not chanting about, you know, poverty and stuff would be advisable to the Tory voters in the Nottingham area. Um, And of course, that has been jumped on by all the dickheads, most of whom seem to support Manchester City and Manchester United. 
who are trying to make out that it's banter, that it's a historical football chant. Historical. Like it's, do you know what I mean? Like these are just, these are mind-blowingly stupid people who don't seem to understand that what they're doing is they're championing, championing. That's not the word, but it's it's the right word, but I said it wrong. Um, poverty, childhood poverty, food poverty, unemployment. They're basically running the divide and conquer, divide and rule a political agenda of the Tory party without the Tories having to ask them to do it. This is what these people are at. So, you know, fuck off to everybody who gets themselves involved in such chanting. And look, some of our fans do chant some fairly horrendous things at Chelsea fans. And, you know, that needs to stop as well uh, because it's unacceptable. But it's not just at Liverpool fans. Like I, I saw, I saw one fucking eagle say, "It's just banter between two rival clubs." Well, West Ham and Everton are not rival clubs, and West Ham fans today rocked up to Goodison and were chanting "Sign on" and feed the Scousers as well. So, like, you know, maybe have a look internally. West Ham aren't exactly from the most affluent part of the world historically either. And most of their fans are very working class and should probably have a look within their own families where I'm sure there's people who are unemployed and, and struggling with, you know, the uh, the cost of living in the modern day. Also, if you think it's okay to sing shit like this, fucking make your own songs up instead of just copying everyone else's. Yeah, that's I'm sick exactly of all this, it. Oh, is this a library or that shit as well? You know, it's the same thing. Make your own songs up if you can. Try it. Be fans. That's it. Like be, be creative. You've got a whole world of things you could sing about. But again, I go back to what I said at the start. If you're going to make a load of noise, make it in support of your own team. Make it in support of your own team. Do you think when Callum Hudson-Odoi picked the ball up on the left-hand side and he heard, you know, sign on, sign on, that inspired him to go and win the game for Forrest? Do you not think maybe a song about Forrest, about being Forrest, about playing for the club, about Hudson-Odoi or about the manager or whatever? Because all I know is that when we were playing at Wembley a week ago, you know, we were, we were playing at Wembley while you're battling relegation and getting prepared for a potential points deduction. When we were playing at Wembley, our players got an enormous lift because our fans started singing. They didn't start singing about Chelsea or about United, or about somebody else. They started singing about our club and what we've done, and they drove that energy into the players, and that lifted the players, and we were able to get ourselves over the line and win the cup because that's what fans are there to do. Also, so, if, you, if, if, you, if you can make up a good song about your own club, and it, you know, it catches and people start to learn the words mm. and get together and do it. Guess what? You can sing it next week as well because yeah. that, that same team's playing. You don't have to come up with new yeah. ones every week. And you know what else? When you win games and you're singing the songs, the players will know them and they'll come and they'll sing and everybody's going to have a fucking great time. And you can have a culture around your club that's that's bedded in winning and being as one. Because, like, that's what it's all about. So, like, you know, just a terrible gang of lads are the Forest fans. Um, aside from that, I thought Alexis McAllister was the standout player again today in the midfield area. Just another phenomenal performance. Luis Diaz was really good. I thought Bobby Clark tried his best and, and worked really hard and, and tried to get involved, but 
was always kind of on the periphery of the game. But that win today was built on the two boys at centre-back, both of whom were brilliant. And when Awaniye came on and tried to out-muscle Ibu, and Ibu just bullied him, it was a wonderful moment to see because Ibu, you know, there's there's mediocre players getting ranked above Ibu in these these nonsensical conversations as well. And Cuevin Kelleher, who, look, early in the season, we... We, we rightly criticized his performances in the Europa League. We mentioned his performances last season, which had not been good. But that lad right now is playing at a tremendously high level. The save from Alanga, whether or not it would have been called back, we'll never know. But that is a tremendous save. His handling was good. His kicking was good. He looks so calm, so composed. We're going to need him because, it, you know, Ali's going to be out for a, another while, another month maybe. So, you know, we, we have to rely on Cuevin. But given how he's performed in recent weeks, I'm not sure any of us are are overly concerned about Cuevin. I think we're all fairly comfortable and confident having him between the sticks. And if he keeps playing like he has in the last number of games then unfortunately for us, he's going to go in the summer because someone's coming in with a big offer because just half the teams in the league are looking at him and going, well, hang on, he's their number two, but he's much better than our number one. So there's going to be offers, which, you know, like I said, unfortunate for us, but could potentially be huge for him. Um, Another good performance from Bradley as well today. And then it's just great to have uh, Darwin back and obviously Someone that looked like Dominic came off the pitch. Hopefully Dominic himself is back next week. We're top of the league. All the pressure now sits on them. They're both playing tomorrow. Now they both have to win to keep pace with us. And, you know, Arsenal have an easy game against Sheffield United and they'll win that. But they have to go and win it now. They have to go and win it now. And I love seeing the tears from the Arsenal fans because they're just the softest gang of lads that's ever existed. Then Cody Gakpo would be a great Arsenal fan. That's what I'll say. Uh, as for me, two-footed every day, <laughs> daily red every day. There'll be a couple of scouteds and there'll two, be a couple two of buzz. buzzes. Two yeah, buzz. there's a new buzz out today. If everybody would please go and listen. It is our final episode, episode seven of our companion series for True Detective Night Country. With uh, our top 10 TV cops following later in the week on Buzz as well, in case I forget it later on. And Jim, to finish the show then with your final thoughts, I mean, it's it you could go anywhere with this, but I'll absolutely leave you a uh, carte blanche here to take it wherever you want. And if there is uh, a thing or two from you coming up in the week, let people know when and where. Yeah, I mean, I think let's, I echo what Dave's saying about their fans as well. I think. You know, have a look at yourself, have a think about it. Think about what you do. I know some Forest fans, I don't know many Forest fans, but the ones I know are actually okay people. I don't see them that often, but they're okay people. And I just wonder, you know, maybe there's just a lack of education amongst their fan base. That's that's the problem. And I think if you're a fan of Forest and you approve of that, you're a dickhead. If you're a fan of Forest and disapprove of it, well, you've got a little bit of a role there as one of the Forest fans to just start educating your own because it's not right, it's not good. And, you know, of all the clubs, um, you know, who've got a sort of link to us because of what happened back in the 80s, that's Forest. They shouldn't be 
I mean, they've got, I mean, they've got a reputation for denying what really happened at Hillsborough. That's the kind of people they are, um, as some of them. And that's the thing. It's never all the fans. It's just some of them. And if there's enough of them, it, it sounds like all of the fans. And if you're, if you're a fan of that club and you think, that and you realise that's what your fans sound like. You should be stepping in, um, doing something about it, changing people's opinions, letting people realise, educating them. Um, I've heard some awful things sung on the cop back in the eighties, um, but over time people got educated and that sort of shit stopped. Thankfully, um, you know, don't be in the dark ages, Forrest. You're just as bad. You know, it's 2024. I have to check it is, isn't it? Um, look, it's, it's it's way after the eighties. Stop being dickheads. Stop being so small time start supporting your own team um just another thing on the var we were talking about how horrible it was for us if there's a silver line into that sort of var pause which is that that pregnant pause while you wait and get the ref to you know take his finger off his ear and make a signal to tell you which way the decision is finally going to go um it's just how much it would have pissed off the fans of city and arsenal as they were waiting for it to tick down and the decision to be made um hoping hoping that it was surely it was going to be called off um because even though they call us live Arpil, they know probably quite well that we suffer as much if not more than other clubs with var decisions and it was just another little thing to think of there that you know they had the delayed despair for them as well um and we're going to talk a rest quickly. I think the kind of thing that gets to me, it's probably something for another day, not for now. Corners. We had, um, and we had a lot taken today, but there was one where Dan's was, uh, wrestled down. Um, clearly yeah. the player had his arms yeah. all around him. The VAR pause, you know, there was a little pause while VAR had a look. It was all let go. I, minutes later, Tierney's going over to, to Forest plays and telling him at the corner, don't go pushing our lads. And I'm thinking, you know, what's going on? That was a push. And if you're telling them not to push, then surely that's a push. I mean, it's a little thing, but again, it's one of those things in football where there's so much difference over what happens from one game to the next and one minute to the next and then a game it needs sorting. Um, yeah, and again, I mean, looking at looking front to back, rather than skitting anyone or criticising anyone, I think looking at the players you've had today, just some that jump out at me. Keeper, uh, Kelleher means we've got no need to rush Ali back. As much as we want Ali back, I think, you know, He's good enough for us not have to risk rushing Ali back too soon, but obviously um, there'll be no one happier than... Well, we'll all be happy when we see Ali back on uh, the starting lineup. but, you know, until then, I'm, I'm quite happy. Um, I think if we're going to sort of put some standout plays out, Alex Mack, obviously, 90 minutes with him. The two centre-backs, I mean, the pair of them today were just, were just outstanding. Um, I mean, I've, we've sort of talked about these two a little bit today but I think maybe we've not given them enough of a mention because they did um, quell the danger time and time and time again um, with strength with, with skill, with sense with with intelligence, you know, everything about them was was outstanding today and obviously I think the, the, there was these injuries are kind of getting to us but then there was that little moment where the TV crew tried to tease us, they had this little shot of Darwin and Dom on the bench and I'm thinking we're, we're struggling here in this game, here's the two to change it for us um, go on get them on as it was Dom didn't have a great game but there was one moment he just kicked the ball sort of over his head and sort of ran down the touchline it looked like it was going to be a good moment but um, the ref decided to give them a free kick Simicass um, another player we maybe don't give enough credit to um, he had a big part in the win at Wembley last week and you know I think he's he, he's had his ups and downs as a Liverpool player but I think as Robbo kind of Without being horrible, Robbo starts to be less Robbo. Um, Simicast is kind of becoming more of the good Simicast, and maybe there's um, some competition there for definite for Robbo. Gomez look, played in three different positions. Um, senior member of the squad now looks, you know, 
a much better play. He's got so much more sense. There was a moment to say, I think he was caught out. There was one of their players was unmarked and he should have been marking, but I think he'd only just moved to left back at the time. Um, and of course, Dan's was amazing and Darwin, um, God, it's good to have him back. And, it's good to have him back and it's good to have all those other fans when they're not singing sign on singing stuff about shit Andy Carroll because you sing that because every time you do he pays you back for it and I'm quite happy for you to do that for the rest of the season if that's <laughs> what happens as far as I'm concerned yeah we should hopefully get a scouser Tommy's done later in the week I'm trying to think when it is we've got Europa haven't we so it'll probably be Friday um, and obviously there's some other game to look forward to in that I'm not sure um, some minor match that we've got to look forward to in that game <laughs> yeah, podcast, sorry. <laughs> just uh, just a little thing ahead on the horizon and courtesy of uh, Guy Drinkle and Dave Hendrick in the background Darwin Nunes has scored as many Premier League goals as Everton in 2024 I would love to today uh, you know the um, hard time the stream I was on it cut away because the match was so shit and it showed us Everton missing a penalty which was nice <laughs> <laughs> second stat no player has scored more match winning goals in the Premier League this season than Darwin Nunes. That is some forest fire today <laughs> from the new Sheriff of Nottingham, Darwin Nunes. I'm delighted with it. It was a hell of a game to actually have to talk about afterwards uh, because of the intervention of said Uruguayan at the end. Dave mentioned the things he's got coming up. Jim mentioned the things he's got coming up. You'd be very silly indeed if you're not listening to them. Just a word for Malby on the spot from Anfield Index Pro, which we'll be doing for the Anfield Index podcast, which we will always be doing. Um, and the next Raw, of course, coming up thick and fast. Uh, we've got our European game and then we've got City, as Jim mentioned, uh, on the horizon. No rest for the wicked as we lurch towards the end of the season where we hope to be smiling and dancing and going on parades the last word I would say now that I have a captive audience is if you haven't listened to our Buzz podcast, which Dave mentioned, go and do it. We've got a companion series for True Detective. We've got one on Predator. We've got one on Salt salt Water. Uh, we've got one on Best salt TV burn. Cops. Salt Burn. Best TV Cops. And we've got one on, what was the other one, Dave? Another top uh, top 10 one. What was it? Um, uh, top 10... TV shows. TV shows. There you go. Lots and lots for you to get your ears around. And we're very anxious that we kind of spread this above and beyond. So tell your pal who's not into football, but actually likes movies instead to go and throw us a listen. Very, very happy with it. I've listened back to a few of them recently. I think we actually might be on to something there. I've been Trev Denny. You heard Dave Hendrick. You heard Jim Boardman. Guy Drinkle has been busily producing in the background. Thanks if you joined us live on the Discord. Appreciate your ears. Thanks if you're joining us afterwards on the podcast. Appreciate your ears too. Wow, it's getting good. It's getting exciting. Can't wait for the next one. And we'll speak to you very soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, 
we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.